Let me encourage you this morning to find your sermon notes. You can follow along as we go. Certainly ask the questions later on, uh, not during the sermon, but later. Uh, this afternoon, uh, at lunch, at dinner, uh, when you're watching uh, March Madness later on, talk about this. And then pray about it, and most importantly, live the message that you hear. So we're going to talk about something today that all of us do every day, uh, probably about, on average, an hour a day. And yet we don't like to do it. It's annoying. It's irritating. It's something that we would all prefer not to do if we could avoid it. And yet we're constantly doing it. Some of you had to do this this morning because there's someone in your household, and you can point to them right now, someone in your household is always making you right? They're never ready. You're ready to go. Actually, in my house, it's me. So you can point to me. I was a little, little behind this morning. Sharon's ready to go, 7 o'clock, and we're supposed to be here by then. It's 7.03, and where's pastor? He's still whatever. So you know that person. You can point to them. They always make you wait. You're waiting on someone. You're waiting on the phone. You're waiting at the doctor's office. You're waiting in line. You are waiting at the red light. Six months out of your life, you're waiting at a red light. Except for some of you, you ignore the red lights all completely. You go right through them, as well as stop signs. Uh, Kimberly, would you please get those people, right? Uh, actually, I've been one of those people, too, because I don't like to wait. None of us like to wait, and yet we're doing it all the time. You know, people have a lot of weird hobbies. Would you agree with that? Maybe you have some weird hobbies. But I know of not a single person who, when you ask them, what do you do for rest and relaxation? They say, oh, I, I just like to wait, right? Does anybody do that? Does anybody have that hobby? No. We do not like to wait. And yet, we have heard the phrase many times, and you can repeat this along with me, good things come to those who what? Wait, right? Good things are supposed to come to those who wait. How many of you remember the old Heinz ketchup commercial? Do you remember those, right? The Heinz ketchup comes out excruciatingly slow. It doesn't come out. You're shaking it, and you're shaking it, and you're pounding on the side of the bottle. And then finally, what do you do? You pop it on the end, and then what happens? It all comes out at once, right? Because we do not like to wait. I don't know about you, but there are many times when I had that Heinz ketchup bottle and I just wanted to throw it up against the wall, right? Shatter the whole thing. But let me ask you this. Have you ever felt that way about God? You pray and you pray and you pray and you're waiting for an answer and nothing seems to come. It's one thing to wait on other people. It's one thing to wait on your spouse or your kids when you're late. It's completely different when you have to wait on God. Now, maybe you bought all in. You were praying and you said, okay, Lord, I really believe that you are going to come through this time. And maybe you were bold in your prayer and you even set a date for God. <laughs> Say, it's got to happen by this date. And you believe that it would, but then that date came and went. And nothing happened. But you didn't give up because you believe you have faith and you gave God an extension to the deadline. 
and yet you still had to wait. So for all of us who have been through that, when you are at your wit's end, and maybe you even shake your fists at God, and you look up to the heavens and you say, what are you waiting on? Our story this morning gives us an answer. We wouldn't even know the name of Lazarus if not for the miracle that Jesus did in the Gospel of John. So let's take a look. What are you waiting on? Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Pretty plain language. A man named Lazarus was sick. Now, it wasn't just a cold or a touch of the flu, but he was deathly ill. He's near death. Messengers come from Mary and Martha, and the gospel says, this is the one that you love. Lazarus is like a brother to Jesus. There's Peter and James and John who are very close to Jesus, and then there is Lazarus. He is like family. He cares about him deeply. Whenever Jesus is going to Jerusalem, Bethany's only two miles away, that's where he stays. They've kind of adopted him. This one that you love he is about to die. So Jesus, predictably, in verse 6, says that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he, of course, immediately went to Lazarus and healed him. Right? No, that's not what he did. No, that's not what he did. It says that he stayed where he was two more days. Can you imagine? The one that you love is deathly ill. You have the power to heal him. You've done it so many times before where you have healed people, Jesus. Instead, he just tells Peter, you know, hand me another Coke. March Madness is on. Let's watch on ESPN. Let's watch some of the games. You know, it's a weekend. So we'll just spend a couple more days and we'll do all of that. And then, and then we'll go see Lazarus. I imagine the disciples are wondering, what the heck is going on here? You love this man, and yet here you are doing nothing when you could have been there. And now we have these very strange words. The next verse there, Jesus told them plainly. First, he used the euphemism that we all use. Lazarus has fallen asleep. But we tell our kids when grandma and grandpa die. He's asleep with the Lord. He's fallen asleep. Now he tells them plainly. He's dead and then he says this, for your sake, I am glad I was not there. <laughs> I'm glad he died. Have you ever said that about someone? I hope not. I'm glad that I was not there. The crux of the whole thing, the learning point is this. If you turn to your notes, but I want you to say this together with me. All right. All together, Jesus is glad for the bad when the bad leads to good. Let's do that again. Jesus is glad for the bad when the bad leads to good. Are you ever glad for the bad? Not immediately, but when it turns out good, then we're grateful. So often in this life, bad things happen, certainly because we live in a fallen world, there is sin everywhere in us and everyone else. 
everything is corrupted by sin and bad things are going to happen. And yet God in his sovereignty can turn it around and make it good. And so this next point here, whenever God waits, whenever God procrastinates, at least in our estimation, how does God procrastinate anyway? Whenever God doesn't do what you think he ought to do, when you think he ought to do it, the way you think he ought to do it, I want you to know that God is making sure that three things happen. Number one, that God is glorified. Number two, that your faith is fortified. And number three, that ministry is multiplied and they all go together. So take a look there at point number two, going on with the story. The sisters had sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Now, at first you think, well, Jesus made a mistake here. I mean, it does end in death, doesn't it? Doesn't Lazarus die? I mean, isn't that what we just read in the story? Well, it doesn't end in death. It leads to death. But then, of course, Lazarus is raised from the grave. Just like in your life, you will all die, but it doesn't end in death. Because on the last day, you too, if you believe, will be raised from the grave. So the question that we all have to ask here is, why did God wait? Answer, say it all together with me. These five words, underline them. Let's all say them together. It is for God's glory. Again, it is for God's glory. That's the answer. We wouldn't even know the name of Lazarus if he had healed him immediately. Can you name all the other miracles that Jesus did in the Bible? Come on, tick them off, right? We can't name them all. We only know Lazarus because he raised him from the grave. And so God is glorified. The very first miracle, somebody shout out, what was the very first miracle Jesus did? Anybody? Water into wine. Did he do that just to do a magic trick? Was he just showing off? No. He did it for the glory of God. The very first miracle, the Gospel of John says, he did it to manifest God's glory. And so that is always the answer. Why did Jesus do miracles? For God's glory. Why did Jesus heal people? It's for God's glory. Why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? It is for God's glory. There is nothing more important in this life, in this universe, in this world, than the glory of God. So the next time that you don't know how to pray, do this. Say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Whatever the circumstance, in a few minutes we're going to pray for the health of many people. And we want them all to get better. And yet we say, Lord, if not, May you be glorified. That is what is most important. 
not the healing of the individual, but the glory of God. And so when you are struggling financially and you are praying that God would bring some more money into your life, that is not the most important thing, although you might think it is at the time. But it's for God's glory. Father, glorify your name regardless of what happens to me, even if I have to wait. That's what Jesus prayed at the most critical time of his life. When he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was awaiting the cross, he knows he's going to be arrested. He knows that he's going to suffer. He knows that he's going to die. And yet this is his prayer. The hour has come, he says, for the Son of Man, even though he knows he's going to be crucified, he says to be glorified. So the next time, my friends, when you are at your wit's end and you are looking up to the heavens and you maybe even are shaking your fists at God and saying, what are you waiting on? You can know the answer is for God's glory. But not only that, it's also so that your faith might be fortified, so that you might be strengthened in your attachment to the Lord, that you might grow closer to him. So we pick up the story. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have healed him. So that you may believe. You see, God is more interested in growing your faith than anything else. A lot more than healing your diseases, though that is important. A lot more than solving your problems, and Lord knows you've got plenty of them. <laughs> He's got a lot to work with there, doesn't he? And he certainly could solve them. But he's much more interested in the relationship that you have with him, growing stronger and closer. He could satisfy all your desires with his miracles. But he's more interested in your faith. So Martha says, and then Mary repeats this later, she says, Lord, if you had been here, <laughs> if you had just been here, things would have been different. How many times have you said that? Lord, if you had just done something, this wouldn't have happened. This accident wouldn't have occurred. My loved one wouldn't have died. This tragedy would not have happened. The pain that I suffered could have been avoided. Lord, if only you had been here. But you see, Jesus' main concern is not the death of Lazarus. He knows he's going to raise him from the grave. He doesn't have to do it immediately. What he is really interested in is the faith of Martha. You remember Martha, 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 right? And Luke? Should be more like your sister Mary. She gets it. You're off scurrying around, serving the whole time. Not that's a, that that's a bad thing, by the way. But Mary gets it. She's right there at my feet, listening and learning and growing closer to me. That's what Jesus is concerned about. She knows, like every Orthodox Jew at the time, she knows that there's going to be a resurrection. 
Do you believe that Lazarus is going to rise from the, de from the dead? Oh, yes, Lord, I believe that. On the last day, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He is going to be raised today. Not tomorrow, not next year, not 100 years from now, but today. He says that I can conquer physical death and raise the body, and you reunite it with the spirit. But I can also conquer spiritual death and reunite your spirit with God himself. I will be with you today and tomorrow and forever. Even when you die, I am with you. In fact, if you believe in me, Jesus says, you will never die. Oh, your body might. But you will not. And he says, Martha, if you believe, you will indeed see the glory of God. And then he has the stone rolled away. And he calls out, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine what would have happened if he hadn't been specific? <laughs> Everybody would have been raised from the grave. Kind of like what happened when Jesus died. And the rock split. And the curtain in the temple was torn. And people were raised from the grave. All of this, so that Martha's and Mary's and the disciples, and even Lazarus, all of their faith was strengthened. They all were drawn closer to Jesus. And that is the point, you see, they go together. Whenever God is glorified, our faith is strengthened. And when our faith is strengthened, nothing glorifies God more. The angels are rejoicing in heaven when one sinner comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus waits. Sure, he could have come earlier. He could have saved Mary and Martha a couple days of grief and crying and comforted them much more quickly. You know why he didn't? He waited these extra two days so that Lazarus was dead for four days. You see, the, the Jews had a superstition. And that was that when you die, your spirit just hangs around like a ghost for three days. And so they could have said, you see, he wasn't really dead. It's like one of those near-death experiences when you see the light. But now, four days, there is no doubt the body has begun to decay. In the old King James Version, if you remember that, it says that he stunketh. That means he's really dead. And now, by waiting this time, there is no doubt that Jesus has raised him. And it says, And that many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. And that is the point. Jesus waited so that many would put their faith in him. Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the disciples and all of these Jews. And that is why so often God waits in your life. And he doesn't answer your prayer right away. And it is as 
agonizing and even more so than watching the ketchup come out of the bottle. Because through your trials, you will leave a trail of trust. Not only for yourself, but for others to see. Good things do come to all of us who wait on the Lord. And never forget, no matter how long you wait, and it may even seem like an eternity or the rest of your life, God is never late. It is, his, it is in his timing that his miracles occur. It is in his timing that he will be there for your greatest need, which is not to solve your problems. It's not to heal you physically, but to save you spiritually and to strengthen your faith, not only for your sake, but for all of those around you who have heard your story as well. How does it feel to wait? Jesus is glad for the bad when the bad leads to good. And when that good means that God is glorified and your faith is fortified and ministry is multiple, it's worth the wait. Amen? Let's all rise. Let me encourage you this morning to follow along with the sermon notes. And sometime, probably not during the sermon, but later during lunch, maybe dinner, maybe when you're watching a little March Madness, uh, if you're bored at work, uh, answer the question. So there's something that we're going to talk about today that, that nobody, and I mean nobody, enjoys doing. Something we all have to do, we do it every day, about an hour a day on average, but it's irritating, it's, it's annoying, we don't like to do it, uh, and yet we all must. And that is waiting. An hour a day we have to do that, you wait in line, you wait on the phone, you wait for someone to get back to you, you wait for someone to send an email, you wait for an answer, you wait in line, you wait at the doctor's office, you wait at the stoplight although some of you don't, I know that. You wait at the stop sign, some of you don't, I know that. You're waiting for someone to get ready this morning, point to that person right now. No, it was me, it was me. I know, Sharon had to wait again this morning. She's always ready to go, ready to go, ready to go, and still waiting on me. There's always that person. We always have to wait for something. Now, do you remember the old Heinz ketchup bottle. Anybody remember the old Heinz ketchup? We still have it, right? And what the, sign, the song was, anticipation makes you wait. Now we waited because we knew that good things come to those who wait, or at least we were told that, and so we would wait for the ketchup to come out, right? But what did you all end up doing? Because you can't wait. You're shaking it, and you're shaking it, and you're shaking it, and you're beating on the side of the bottle. Then finally, what do you do? You all do this. You give it one good whack on the end, and then what happens? It all comes out. 
Now, I was told the reason that Heinz made ketchup like this, that it was made in Chicago, and I know this isn't true, but somebody told me this, because on a Chicago dog, you don't have ketchup. I don't know, maybe it's true, maybe not. We don't like to wait, and yet it is a fact of life. Now, a lot of us, like me, we wanted to take that ketchup bottle when we were trying to put it on our french fries or hot dog or hamburger, and we just wanted to throw it up against the wall. Have you ever wanted to do that in prayer? Have you ever wanted to do that with God? I mean, it's one thing to wait on someone else. It's one thing to wait on ketchup. But it is an entirely different thing, isn't it? To wait on God when he just won't answer, when he just is not coming through. And maybe you were bold, maybe in the last time that you prayed, I mean, diligently about something important. Maybe it was an illness, maybe a job, maybe a circumstance in your life, maybe a relationship, and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And you were so bold to say, God, I know that you are going to answer this prayer. And maybe you were even so bold that you put a date on it. <laughs> and God didn't come through. And the date passed. But you didn't give up faith. You didn't give up hope. You continued to pray and you extended <laughs> the expiration date. And when God didn't come through, maybe you were angry. I mean, it's really difficult to pray when you're angry or when God doesn't come through. So this morning we're going to talk about why. Why it is that God sometimes makes us wait. And why it is that we so often have to wait on him. So take a look at your notes. What are you waiting on? There was a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick. Not just, not just a little sick, not just a cold, not a touch of the flu, but deathly ill. He's going to die. And so his sisters, Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus and they say to him that the one that you love is sick. He's about to die. You need to get here and you need to do something. Now, Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is like a brother to him, as close as Peter and James and John. He stays there in Bethany whenever he's on his way to Jerusalem, when he's going to the temple. Always stays there in Bethany. They treat him wonderfully. They feed him. They take care of him. And now Lazarus is sick. So you are Jesus. You've done all kinds of miracles. You have healed people. We heard just last week he healed the blind man. So of course he can heal Lazarus. So verse 6 says that when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he immediately went to where he was. He dropped everything and he healed him, right? No. That's not how the story ends. What's wrong? What's wrong, with, what's, what's wrong with God here? What are you waiting on? Well, we are about to see. Jesus had already told the disciples, you know, Lazarus is just asleep. And he's not going to die. He is going to get better. And the disciples, naively thinking that he's really talking about sleep, he says, well, if if he just sleeps, he'll feel better. I mean, isn't that what you do? When you have the flu, when you have a cold, you know, you get some rest, you drink your fluids, and you get better. But he was 
he was just nicely saying he's already dead. So now he says it plainly. And this is really curious. He says, Lazarus is dead. So, so you don't miss it. Lazarus is dead. And then this, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. My best friend is going to die, but I'm glad I wasn't there. I could have healed my best friend, and I love him, and I love you, but I'm glad I wasn't there, and I'm glad that he died. Does that sound like Jesus? What's going on here? Well, we have to hear the end of the story, don't we? So look at that next point. It says, Jesus is glad for the bad. Is Jesus ever glad for the bad? Well, sometimes when the bad leads to the good. We know that we live in a fallen and sinful world. We know that bad things happen. Sometimes we do them. Sometimes people do them to us. Sometimes they just happen because there's sin everywhere. But God can use the bad and turn it into something good. And now this next part, and this hopefully will make sense to you, whenever God waits, whenever God procrastinates. Can God procrastinate anybody? Can he? Well, according to our standards, he does. Or he can. Whenever God procrastinates, whenever God doesn't do what you think <laughs> and what I think he ought to do, when, when you think he ought to do it, the way you think he ought to do it, God is making sure that three things happen. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. So when we wait on God and when God makes us wait on him, there are three things that are going on. And I don't want you to miss this. First of all, God is glorified. Secondly, your faith is fortified. And number three, ministry is multiplied. And they all work together. So the sisters send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Is that true, anybody? Did it end in death? No. It led to death, but it didn't end there. And so also for all of us, if we believe as well, we are going to die. Our life always leads to death, but it doesn't end there. No, this is for God's glory. We know that Lazarus is going to be raised from the grave so that all who see it might believe in God then would be glorified. So in answer to the question, why did God wait? It is for God's glory. Five words that I want you to sear in your memory. When you are waiting on God, when your prayers don't seem to be answered, when bad things may happen, when your healing doesn't occur. The most important thing is God's glory. It's not the healing. When you are poor, the most important thing is not to get more money, but rather it is for God's glory. When a relationship is strained, it's not that you want that thing to be fixed. Of course you do, but it can be for God's glory. In fact, this is the answer to all the questions. There is nothing more important in your life than my life in the entire world, then God be glorified. And so when you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to say, pray this. Whatever happens, whether I'm healed from my illness or not, whether my loved one lives or dies, whether I am successful 
or fail, whether I get the job or not. Father, glorify your name. Because the glory of God outranks everything else. Even when Jesus went to the cross, this was his prayer. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be not crucified, though he knew that was what was going to happen, but that the Son of Man might be glorified. So what are you waiting on, Lord? Well, now I know. You're waiting to be glorified. And not only that, but every time that God is glorified, someone has the opportunity to have their faith strengthened or fortified. Again, as we go to the story, it says that Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, those who are watching, those who are hearing, I'm glad I wasn't there because I could have healed him, and then Lazarus would never be mentioned in the Bible. But if he's raised from the grave, he will. It's the only reason we know Lazarus' name. Who's Lazarus? He's the guy that was raised from the grave. And so that you might believe. So mark this down as it's here in your notes. God is more interested in growing your faith than he is in healing your sicknesses. Yeah, he's more interested in growing your faith than he is in solving your problems. How many of you have problems? Raise your hand. Yeah, wouldn't we all like them to be solved? And we say, Lord, just solve my problems for me. And he says, well, you know, I could do that, but I want your faith to grow. And sometimes you need to go through a little bit of suffering and trial and challenges in order to draw you closer to me. So God's number one priority is not to satisfy all of your desires, not to answer all of your prayers, but to grow your faith, because when your faith is growing, then he is indeed glorified. There's nothing that God desires more than for all people to come to the truth, to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is the mission. And so Jesus' main concern is not Lazarus' death. He's going to take care of that. Either today or tomorrow or when he returns on the last day. He is much more interested in Martha's faith and Mary's faith. And the disciples' faith. Martha runs out to him. You remember Martha back in Luke? Jesus was at their house. Martha, Martha. Don't you remember that? Martha, Martha. Why aren't you like your sister Mary? Don't you hate it when the teacher says that? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you sit at my feet and learn? Why are you scurrying around in the kitchen doing things that don't really matter all that much? He wants to grow her faith. Martha, do you believe that Lazarus is going to rise from the dead? Oh, yes, Lord, I believe that. On the last day, I mean, all Orthodox Jews believe that. On the last day, everyone will rise from the grave. No, 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 you don't get it. 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, there's going to be a resurrection. Not a hundred years from now, not a thousand years from now, but today. I am going to raise your brother from the dead. In fact, anyone who believes in me, not only will they live, but they will never die. Oh, not spiritually. We all have that moment when we will physically die, when our body and soul are separated, but never will we be separated from Jesus and his love if we only believe in him. And so, Martha, I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So, move the stone. (laughs) Really, Lord, move the stone? Are you kidding? I mean, he's been dead four days. King James says that he stinketh. He's really dead. So if you ever wondered, why didn't Jesus come earlier, which he could have? I mean, Lazarus was already dead, but he waited two more days. He could have saved Mary and Martha from two days of crying and grief. But he doesn't. Because he wants everyone to see the miracle. You see, the Jews believe, they have this superstition, that the spirit is separated from the body for three days. And it can come back. And so if Jesus only waits three days and Lazarus comes back to life, then the Pharisees, the Jews, can say, see there, see, I told you, wasn't really dead. (laughs) Just a near-death experience. He saw the light, but he wasn't really there. But now four days, he is really, really, really dead. Nothing but a miracle of God can bring him back to life. And so he says, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine what would have happened if he hadn't been so specific? Everybody would have risen from the grave. Can you imagine? You could have sold popcorn there. That would have been quite a thing. Look at all these dead people. They've come back to life. In fact, that does happen, doesn't it? Only later. When Jesus dies on the cross, and there is the earthquake, and the curtain in the temple splits from the top to the bottom, to let us know that now there is access directly to God. And all of these people, they they rise from the grave. Can you imagine that, what that must have looked like in Jerusalem? All of this so that God might be glorified. And that faith might be strengthened because they always go together. So whose faith was strengthened that day? You want to tick them off? How about, how about Mary? Yes, I believe so. She saw a miracle. What about Martha? Lord, if you'd have been here, you know, oh my gosh, not only is this better, not only... Is he healed, but he is raised from the grave, and everybody got to see it. What about the disciples? And they're constantly questioning. They're constantly wondering, is he truly the Messiah? Is he really the Son of Man? Is he who he says he is? Well, he just raised somebody from the dead. What about Lazarus? (laughs) Did you ever think about that? 
Was his faith, while he's dead, his faith. And now he is such a celebrity. Can you imagine being raised from the grave? You're going to be on every talk show that there is. Everybody wants a piece of Lazarus. In fact, he becomes so popular that all these Jews are beginning to have faith in Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the grave. They put a contract out on Lazarus. Hey, we ought to kill this guy. He's becoming so popular and he's drawing everyone to Jesus. Can you imagine if you're Lazarus talking with Mary and Martha? Do you get this? I mean, I've been there. I've done that. I've been dead. They want to kill me again. So what? <laughs> Jesus will only raise me from the grave again. When God is glorified, when there are miracles in our lives, whatever they might be, faith can be strengthened. But what about the times as we began, when God seems to be silent. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary and Martha in those four days? Agonizing. If only he had been here. If only he had been here. If only he had been here. Don't we say that all the time? Lord, if only you had been there, this wouldn't have happened. You could have prevented the accident. You could have prevented the crisis. You could have prevented the tragedy. You could have prevented the pain. You could have prevented the suffering. In that moment is where our faith is truly tested. Do you believe? Even when you're waiting on the Lord. It's what we've been talking about all month with the blind man and the woman at the well, even with Nicodemus, and now with Lazarus. The miracle occurred even after the waiting so that many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did now put their faith in him. One of the reasons that we all have trials in our own life is so that we can leave a trail of trust even when the Lord doesn't come through as we prescribe for him to do. Even when it seems like he is procrastinating. Even when he doesn't answer our prayer in the way that we think he ought to answer our prayer. Because God's main objective is to bring us closer to him, to strengthen that faith that holds on to the Son of Man who went to the cross to suffer for us and was raised from the grave. Not so that all of our problems in this life can be solved, but so that we can live with our God forever. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And so good things do come to those who wait on the Lord. And never forget, no matter how long you wait, I might be late, but God never is. And when you wait, great things will indeed happen. Amen.
Amen. Let's all rise now and make profession of our faith this morning through the word.